John chapter 14. In just a moment, we'll uh, begin this uh, keynote. Did I turn this mic on? Okay. <clears throat> John read chapter 14, verses 12 through 18. And I'm going to uh, read it again. We'll pray and then we'll begin. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if ye shall ask anything, in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you a, another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, which the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Father, as we consider again this morning the Spirit of God, as we would uh, really come close to the conclusion of this study, these steps of faith, what it means to, to walk with you, what we need to know at the beginning all throughout and at the end of our walk. Lord, I ask you that you'd cause us to, to just uh, appropriate these things, these truths from your word in such a way that it would make the difference in our life that you want it to. We thank you and we praise you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to um, move somewhat quickly this morning. <laughs> it's funny. Um, if you'll notice as we go through this keynote, probably the first thing you may notice here is that we are in S, right? S is for Spirit of God. This is the last uh, of our S-T-E-P-S, Steps of Faith. We'll have a review next week. We would do it this morning, but we don't have time to do it this morning. Um, but what I want you to notice is over here where it says Lesson 5 of 5, it says, last week it said Part 1 of 2. This week it says Part 2 of 3. Somebody said this morning when I told James that this would be Part 2 of 3, they said, I'm, I'm betting on four next week. So uh, it is really my intention that three be the end. Uh, one, it really fits into the church calendar. That's not really the reason, but it does really fit into the church calendar well if I finish next week. Uh, and I, would, I really would simply finish this week, except for as I was looking at what we're going to look at together this morning. I guess I can just move to the next slide. We're, as, as we were looking last week, we were looking at the um, promise of the Spirit of God. Now, I spent some time, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this this morning. I spent a lot of time last week, we talked about promise for the whole message because the church in the world, specifically and especially in America, doesn't understand the Holy Spirit well at all, doesn't understand what's going on, doesn't understand the promise of the Spirit, and doesn't understand the work that the Spirit of God is doing in the Christian 
on the earth that we're living on right now. It's really not understood well. I did not understand it as a young Christian. I did not, I did not learn it well in Bible college or seminary. And the reason for this, I really believe, is because of an abuse of the Holy Spirit in many um, places. If you go to many uh, places that call themselves churches, what you'll find is a great deal of, honestly, nonsense that's done, and it's said that the Spirit is causing these things to happen. And that is, it's, I don't mean to be unkind. Again, it's so difficult to say this because it sounds like I'm being so negative. I have no intention of being negative, but it's important that you understand that what the Holy Spirit is doing is laid out for us in the Word of God, and it is critical. We'll see this again today. It is critical that we have the Holy Spirit at work in our life. So we saw the promise the promise of the Spirit of God is all throughout the Bible, the, all throughout the Bible, but we look specifically at Jesus promising to send forth the Spirit. Uh, and we'll see a little bit of that today because as we look at part number two, which is the purpose of the Spirit of God, Jesus is going to explain in John, starting in chapter 14, where we're going to be looking, he's going to explain the purpose. We're just going to look at the verses together. Now, there's a great deal in the passages, and really, we'd have to study chapters 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18, and we don't have time to study all, all, all the morning. So what I want to do is just show you some passages. I'm hoping you will write them down. I'm expecting you will write them down and go over your, for yourself later. And then the third one we'll look at next week is the power of of the Spirit of God. And what we'll see in the book of Acts is what happens when the Spirit of God comes. What does the Spirit of God actually accomplish in our lives? It goes with the promise and the purposes. So let's jump right into it. The purpose of the Spirit. Number one, and this is in the passage we're looking at, the Spirit is the comforter. I, of course, I was inclined to write the Spirit comforts, but the Spirit doesn't, He does comfort. But he doesn't just comfort, he is the comforter. Now, this is critical in the context of what Jesus is saying. I'm leaving. He's going to tell us, we're going to see it this morning. It is expedient, it's important, it's necessary for you that I go away. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave here. Now, here's the thing. God is omniscient and omnipresent and omnipotent. Now, God, one of those words that I said is God is everywhere. But when Jesus came to earth, while Jesus in his heart and mind, literally in his mind, was actually everywhere, even while he was in a specific place, the people that were around him could only be with him when they were with him. In other words, if Jesus is not in this room, then I can enjoy his presence like wherever he is in whatever room he is in. But when the Holy Spirit is sent forth, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within Every believer, and you and I, and I can use the word enjoy, I mean it when I say it, can enjoy the full presence of God all the time. That's what God wants for us. See, what Adam lost was the presence of God. And what Christ came to restore is the presence of God in our lives personally and individually. And here's what is misunderstood People believe that Jesus came to pay for our sins as if he was nothing but the Lamb of God. He is the Lamb of God, but he's not just the Lamb of God. He's also, of course, the priest that makes the offering. But what he came to accomplish was not just to pay for our sins, but to set us free from sin. Amen? Now, how can I be set free from sin? In order for me to be set free from sin, 
some greater force than sin or my flesh has to conquer sin in my life moment by moment. Yes or no? Anybody aware of that? How many of you, I was, uh, uh, Jill and I, I don't think she would mind me mentioning this, Jill and I were talking about the fact that it is so wonderful in Romans 7 that it, we're, it is made clear to us that if we walk after the flesh, we continue to feel the experience of failure. But many of us have begun to walk after the Spirit in our lives, can I say as a rule? In other words, we understand that we're no longer to walk after the Spirit, that our flesh is not to have dominion in our lives anymore, that sin is no longer to reign over us. And so we recognize, I recognize my flesh. It's ugly. It's terrible. My family can tell you what it looks like. It's very, very, very obvious when I walk in the flesh. And, and maybe your flesh is not as unattractive as mine is, but mine is very, very unattractive. But here's what, here's what we find. Though we would love to push that once-for-all button, right? And boy, wouldn't you be wonderful? I'm telling you, when Jesus comes to take us all home, it will be once-for-all. No more sin, ever, 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 ever. But we have to die daily. Do you understand? But when you fail, when you, when you know that your flesh is, quote-unquote, running the show, you can repent immediately. You can even confess it out loud. And we have to do it, so I have to do it. I have to actually confess out loud to my own family, oh, that was me. That was me doing that. That was not the Holy Spirit doing that. That was not Jesus doing that. That was me being me. And boy, isn't it still unattractive when we are ourselves. Amen? But Jesus Christ came to set us free. So what I want you to notice is this. He says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Now, here's the point. He's leaving, and they're sad. Yes? He's leaving, and they're sad. Because who wants Jesus to leave? Right? He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. He is everything. He is life to them, and they know it. And he said, but I'm, it's expedient. i got to go away. I'm going to go, and, sh- and, and I'm going to go, literally go into the Holy of Holies made without hand with my precious blood. I'm going to present it before the Father, but don't worry. I'm going to send forth the Holy Ghost. I, the Holy Spirit, and the Father will come, and we will abide with you. It's wonderful. But why does he use this word? Why comfort her? Now, I was thinking about it this way. If I took, if I took the, uh, I have these little things right here. <clears throat> these are actually lens cleaners for uh, either cameras or I use them for my glasses. So I have all these little cards right here, right? These little things. So I'm just going to rip them up. And if I ripped them up, there are eight points to today's message. So I ripped them up, and I won't, I, it won't be that long, I promise. <clears throat> I put little, eight little piles out here. And one of the piles is comfort, right? And all you got to do, I mean, don't even have to worry about being rude to anybody. Right in the middle of the sermon, when you realize you need one of the things that the Holy Spirit came to his purpose to accomplish in your life, you could just walk up and say, oh, I, I need comfort. And you could just walk up and, and grab comfort. I need comfort. By the way, I really believe of all the things that the Holy Spirit came to accomplish in our lives, the one that probably would be picked up most often is this one. Because we often need comfort. We often need comfort. We need comfort. And by the way, we would take comfort and give it to other people, right? We would come pick up comfort and say, I know somebody that could use some comfort. I would be glad to hand them some comfort. By the way, if you would be glad to hand them some comfort, then point them to Jesus. 
so the Holy Ghost can live in them and comfort them. Listen, we, we can comfort one another, and we do comfort one another, but we are nothing like the comforter. No? No? And we know that, right? You know, I mean, how many of you have I said, I'm, I'm sorry for what you're going through, and I'll be glad to help and do whatever I can, and mean it, and we'll do whatever I can to help you. And so many other people have done that for you, but nobody loves us like Jesus. No one cares for us like Jesus, right? And having the comforter, having God the comforter living inside us is such a wonderfully important point. And God wants us to understand that. I'm going to set these. You can have one of these lens cleaners, by the way, if you want one. You can come up and get it afterwards. The comforter. So the first thing that we see is the Spirit is the comforter. And this we find in John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18. What does he say? I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The promise of God is he will not leave you comfortless. Please think about that right now in your own life. How many times have you forfeited comfort simply because you didn't ask Jesus? By the way, what does it say? He says, he doesn't say, listen, I will not leave you comfortless. I will comfort you every time you come to me. That's not what it says. What does it say? I will not leave you comfortless. What? I will come to you. Because when you need comfort, you might need such comfort that you just can't even get up. Do you understand? And I'm thankful for a God who will come to us. Number two, the Spirit, uh, the Spirit abides in you. The Spirit abides in you. Now, what I want you to know, he, will, he indwells and abides in you. This is in John chapter 14, verses 17 through 23. Let's read this. 17 through 23. Even the spirit of truth which the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. And ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day shall ye know that I, I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that, hath, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and what? Make our abode with him. Now, look up here for just a moment. This abiding principle is going to be critical to the rest of our understanding of the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit, listen, is to indwell. Now, everybody understands what, in, what it means to, in, to indwell, right? How many of you live around your house, right? By the way, that brings up, again, I want to go into this in great detail. A couple of days ago, it was nice out. Yes, anybody remember that? Right, really nice out. It was so nice that I actually went outside multiple times for minutes at a time and enjoyed it, right? But, but for primarily in the summertime here in the Hampton Roads area, I abide in my house or in my car or in the church, right? I, I say this because 
the Holy Spirit indwells us. And he says, right then, Jesus said, right now, you know the Holy Spirit because he's here with you, around you. But he shall be what? In you. Now, isn't that, isn't that wonderful? I mean, honestly, think about this. Now, think about this. It's interesting to me. There are a lot of people that when they think about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, they only think about it from a convicting standpoint. In other words, if the Holy Spirit lives within me, then what I see, he sees. What I think about, he hears in my mind. All of those things, and those things are all true, but that's not the point. God didn't come to live inside us to be holy, completely critical of our lives. He already was there all the time anyway on that level. He knows the thoughts and intents of your heart all the time anyway. No, no, the indwelling is for our benefit. The indwelling is for the need that we have. So he comes to live within us, but he doesn't just come to live within us. He then abides. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to abide? Somebody help me. Give me another word for abide, to stay, remain. Somebody said to, to stay or remain. Um, when you have guests over, right, I'm going to tell you, I, I, my grandfather actually said this. This is something I, my grandfather actually said. My grandfather would say this, honey, let's go to bed so these people can go home. Okay, right. So hospitable, my grandfather was not. Okay, honey, let's go to bed so that these people can go ahead and go home. All right. And so, but what the point of that is this: at a certain point, you're not to abide in somebody else's house all that time. Do you understand? You're, but the Lord Jesus promises the Holy Spirit will indwell you, and that He will do what? Abide. Elsewhere, He says this about it: I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. If you have been unaware of the presence of God, it isn't because he left. It's because you're not walking with him. But he's always there. He will never leave you nor forsake you. From the moment you were saved, from the moment you trusted in Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He came to live in you and to stay there. Praise God for that. So that's, this is the second thing that God wants us to understand. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to, uh, I, by the way, you noticed, uh, probably somebody noticed that the word indwell is missing. I'm not sure how I did that so wonderfully well. This, the, he, he dwelleth in us, he dwelleth with us, and he shall be in us, and he shall abide there. Number three, <clears throat> the Spirit teaches and reminds you. You can open to uh, verse 20, 26. We'll notice this, it says in verse 26, just a little bit further down. I'm going to start reading in verse 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, shall teach you what? All things. And bring what? All things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So notice this. The Spirit teaches and reminds you. But this is so important. Again, remember, he's leaving them. And he's promising that the Holy Spirit is going to come. Listen, this is what's wonderful. When you read your Bible, when you read your Bible, when you spend time in the Word of God, later when you need it again, guess what? The Holy Spirit remembers it. You say, I don't remember well. You don't have to remember well. Be in the Word of God, the Holy Spirit remembers well. Now, let's please hear me. Look, everybody look up here. The Holy Spirit can't use the Bible you don't know. 
Do you understand what I mean when I say that? The Holy Spirit can't use in your life the Bible you do not know. So when you spend time in the Word of God, the Bible says to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Why? Because the Holy Spirit wants to use it in your life. The Holy Spirit can comfort you. The Holy Spirit can convict you. The Holy Spirit can do everything necessary using the very words of God. Now, here's the other wonderful thing. As we're spending this time together right now, it isn't really my responsibility to teach you. It's my responsibility to expose you to what the Word of God says. It is the Holy Spirit's responsibility to actually what? teach you because listen this is so important anything that any man can teach you another man can teach over that do you understand what i mean when i say that in other words i could persuade you of something this morning someone else could persuade you of something else this afternoon and i promise you by the way satan himself would persuade you of anything he wanted to do even after that but praise god when the holy spirit teaches it to you that's a different matter do you know how many things God had to work out of my life after I was saved? How many ungodly things God had to work out of me in my life after I was saved? And guess who taught me the conviction of those things needing to go? And, by the way, the encouragement of having far better things than that in my life. Guess who taught me that? It wasn't my pastor. It was the Holy Spirit. Now, my pastor was faithful to expose me to the Word of God continually so that my faith and confidence would be right back in what? In the ST, the T, trust God at His Word. See, God wants you to trust Him at His Word, but it's the Holy Spirit, praise God, that does all of that. He teaches you and He reminds you. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? By the way, this is critically important to our understanding of our New Testament. How do we know that, the, that, that, that the, the Bible that we have, the New Testament that we have, is not the work of men? Because Jesus promises that it won't be. Because he promises that the Holy Spirit will do the work. Amen? Is he going to work through the human instruments? Yes, he is going to work through the human instruments. But it's going to be God, the Holy Spirit, that's going to do the work. Amen? So when I open my Bible, I'm not reading John. I'm reading the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, did, did the Holy Spirit work through John? Yes, he certainly did. But it's still the Holy Spirit that's doing it. Amen? The Holy Spirit teaches and reminds you. Number four, the Spirit brings the peace of Christ. This is in verse 27. We just read it. This is such a wonderful thing. I want you to look at this with me. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world give, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, I've talked about this a lot in the past. How does the world give peace? How, how does the world give peace? Think of a peaceful place. Okay? Think of a peaceful place. We were out at, uh, we were out at the Whittemores yesterday. The Whittemores live um, down by Fentress Airfield, down in that area. And we, we were there, and I went to get some pizza at Pungo Pizza and Ice Cream. That's what it's called. Pungo Pizza and Ice Cream. It was packed. I suppose if you're the only pizza and ice cream within 700 miles, you'd be packed also, okay? So, so but from, from, from the Whittemore's house to Pungo, pizza is probably about two miles as the crow flies, but I don't fly like the crow, so I had to go around the intercoastal waterway to get to it. And while I was driving around, this is what I noticed. The water here in the Hampton Roads area in many places, especially down by where they live, is kind of green. 
right? It's got like this green film everywhere. And you know what I think of when I see green water like that? Snakes. <laughs> Snakes everywhere. I was imagining them starting to come out to the road from everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Now, so by the way, so, so, so now I, I say this because a peaceful place, I'm from Vermont, okay? I grew up in the mountains, and a peaceful place to me is a shady place with running water. Anybody else, anybody else feel that way? A, a shady place with running water. Isn't it? It's just, it's, just, it's just truly, truly peaceful. And guess what? There are no snakes in Vermont, so you don't have to worry about it. There's no green water in Vermont either, as a matter of fact. So this, that wasn't a peaceful place. Literally, I'm in a car driving 45 miles an hour thinking, if the car breaks down, I'm just going to probably have a heart attack and die right here. I won't even be able to get down. I would have to get down. I'd have to get out of the car and walk on the center line like this, just waiting for snakes to come out from both sides. Now, you may think I'm irrational. I just have a healthy fear of snakes. That's just the way. That's all there is to that, okay? Peace, I leave with you. Now, the reason that I say this is because that's our method to have peace. Peace is the absence of conflict to us. And listen to me. Christians, boy, hear me. Christians are constantly asking God to take away conflict so that we can have peace. But that's not the kind of peace that Jesus gives. Jesus gives peace in conflict. Do you understand? Listen, anyone can have peace when there is no conflict. But only Christians can have peace in the midst of conflict. Only Christians can have victory before we see the actual victory. We, we, but we do by faith. You understand? Now, listen, this is what I mean by this. And this is, I, I'm not asking you to pretend or to play. What I'm asking is for you to understand you can sit in the hospital emergency room waiting room while a loved one of yours is in the back room going through whatever they're going through, and you can have peace. You can. It is a peace that passes that's right. You can't explain it. And by the way, let me say this. If you have the peace that God wants you to have, if it were not for the joy, and we're going to see that in a little bit also, if it were not for the joy, people would think you were just apathetic. You understand? Because when, when there's conflict and you're at peace, people think you don't care. But they realize you care when you're still there, right? Time has gone by and you're still there, and they're like, boy, for somebody who's so apathetic, they sure do help me an awful lot because that's the difference. The difference is when Christ gives us peace, we have real peace, and that's what God wants to accomplish in our life. Notice how he words it, right? Peace I leave with you, right? This is the Holy Ghost coming to us. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. By the way, Jesus says this concerning the world. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Yes, you don't have to overcome the world. Jesus already did. You just have to be able to trust him for every moment of your life. And by the way, when you don't, and this is a really important thing. Um, I don't think Amanda would mind. Amanda, well, she probably can't mind. She posted it publicly. Yeah, yeah. Amanda Kelly was posting Yesterday, day before yesterday, how great, how glad she is to be saved. How great Jesus actually is. And then she said this, to many of you that have known me for a long time, I realize like I sound like a crazy person right now. And I was testifying to somebody yesterday, I remember being the crazy person. You remember? Remember when you were first saved and you were telling your loved ones about how great Jesus is? And you were like, I know I sound like a nut. I realize I sound like a nut. I remember telling my best friends, I was 22 years old, and I would say, if you were standing there telling me the things that I'm telling you, I would think you were crazy. But I'm telling you, Jesus is awesome. Now, here's the only problem. My failure as a young Christian hurt my testimony. 
Do you understand? And that's true in all of our lives. But praise God, Jesus is greater than that. And he wants us to understand he is the one who's accomplishing everything in our lives that must be accomplished. That's why we can have peace. Don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Just trust Christ. Just, it is, listen, it is just as simple as a child trusting their parent. You throw your, now, some children don't like to be thrown in the air. Don't throw your children in the air if they don't like it. And don't throw your children in the air around other people because sometimes they don't like it when you do that, okay? When Chris was little, I would throw him in the air and catch him, and he loved to be thrown in the air and caught. And, and other soccer moms did not like me throwing him into the air and catching him. It's like, I was like the worst parent anywhere, it appeared. But he enjoyed it. But listen, every time I would throw him, he would trust me to catch him. I, I, I've shared this before, but we went up to a trip to D.C., and he walked up. It's like the second, two and a half floors above where I was. He walked up this, this, this concrete siding, and, and, and it, it circled around, so he came right back over the top of me. And I was looking for him. Chris, Chris, Chris. And he said, Dad, but he was already in the air when he said, Dad. So he had jumped from two and a half stories, and he was on his way down for me to catch him. But he knew I would catch him, and I did catch him. And then I said, don't ever jump until, until you say dad first. You know what I'm saying? Make sure I'm looking at you when you jump. Amen? Don't be afraid. We can trust Christ. Number five, the Spirit makes us fruitful in joy and love. This is a really important passage. This, by the way, in order to really study this, this is, this is a problem. Because in my, in my notes, this is the passage. The, 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 the Spirit makes us fruitful in joy and love. And I wrote verse 11 and 12 up there. And in my notes, I have verses 1 through 21. John 15, verses 1 through 21. And you really have to see all of it to really enter into it. Really, you need the whole 15th chapter. But let's look at what's been... I, I say that because please write this down. It's really important that you understand this. But let me, notice what it does. Let me show you what it does say here. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy may remain. By the way, this, the word remain is the same word as abide, okay? These things have I spoken unto you that my joy may abide or remain in you and that your joy might be what? Okay, look up here for a second. Do you have full joy? Nobody even bothered to say yes. And I was going to say that your face doesn't think so anyway, okay? But listen, we are meant to have full joy. If you're, the older you get as a Christian, the more joy you should have. I know I've said this a lot, but older Christians that are sourpusses make me nervous. What's wrong with you? Why do you not have more joy? You've had a lot, God has done a lot of things in your life. God has had a great deal of time to win victories in your life. Your life should be more and more and more full of joy, not less and less and less full of joy. Yes, I know as we grow, we understand just how wicked the world is around us. That's true, but it was always wicked, and it will always continue to be wicked until Jesus comes to put this all away. And why hasn't he come, by the way, and just put it all away yet? And the answer is because he wants people to be saved, Right? God is not willing that any should perish. And the reason he hasn't come just to come back and destroy is because there are those who are yet going to believe, praise God. Notice what he says here. These things have I spoken unto you that your joy might remain and that, you, and that your joy might be, what? Full. The Spirit makes us fruitful in joy. And then what? This is my commandment, that ye love one another. As, and here, here's the, put the box around this part, right? As I have loved you. Hmm. That sets it apart, doesn't it? Yes? Yes? Do you love people? Do you love people like Jesus loves you? That changes everything. And by the way, remember, we don't have time to do it now, but if you want to see where this begins, where does this begin? It's in chapter 13. Chapter 13. 
Remember this, just quickly. We don't have time to go back to the last week's sermon, but remember this. John chapter 12 is the end of Jesus' public ministry in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 12, one of the last things that he says, basically the last thing that he says to the world at large is this, please believe on me. I didn't come to condemn you. I didn't come to hurt you. I came to rescue you. If you don't trust me, I'm not going to condemn you, but my words are going to end up condemning you. Here's the point. If you reject Christ, when you stand before God the Father at the great white throne, you will stand before him having rejected the Christ, having rejected the one that died to save you, the one that loves you and has done everything necessary. Nobody wants to stand before God like that. Please don't stand before God like that. Trust the Lord Jesus. So that's the end of his public ministry. The beginning of his private ministry, if you go, we don't have time to look at it, but go back and look at John chapter 13. The beginning of John chapter 13, um, Judas Iscariot is still there. And so at the beginning, Jesus does not talk to his disciples, quote unquote, alone until after Judas Iscariot has left the room, basically. After he leaves the room, he says this, I have a new commandment for you. I have a new commandment for you. What's the new commandment? That you love one another. Now listen, listen, this is important. Why didn't he give that commandment at the beginning of his public ministry? And the answer is because without the Holy Ghost, you can't love anybody. Do you understand? Without the Holy Ghost, you can't love anybody. But he's getting ready to give them the Holy Ghost. He's promising to send the Holy Ghost. And this, this is such a tremendous thing. Remember, God didn't send the Christ just to pay for your sins. He sent the Christ to restore what was lost. And what was lost? Fellowship with God. Fellowship with God. And so not only have my sins been paid for, but because my sins have been paid for, God can come and live inside me now. Isn't that wonderful? What a tremendous truth this is. The the, the Spirit makes us fruitful in joy and in love. Now I want to draw your attention to, this is like uh, part of the same thing. It's critical that we understand, this is really important, please, please, please write this down. It is critical that we understand that even though we be filled with the Spirit and walk in joy and love, which we just looked at, the world will not love us but hate us. And this is seen, we'll look at it, it's seen right here toward the end of this, of this passage we're looking at, verses 18 through 21. Let me just read this, let me just read this with you. John chapter 15, verses 18 through 21, and this is what it says. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the words that I have said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Now look up here. See how, see how important this is in your life? Listen, now let me say this. Uh, we're independent Baptists. So for me to say this is just to speak about ourselves. Independent Baptist churches are often supercritical and mean-spirited. And the world hates that, and it should. Do you understand? That is not what God wants. I don't know why. It's almost as if since the Bible, since the Bible says that the world will hate you, it's like, well, if they're going to hate us, we might as well be mean to them, right? But that's, listen, that's not the point. The point is this. 
And, and I, listen, I'm telling you, the, the, the more I grow, the more surprised I am that the world uses the words of love, but they do not have the actions of love. In fact, they have quite the opposite in their actions. And what Jesus is saying is this. I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit is going to come and live within you. He's going to fill you with joy and love, and you would think that people would flood to your doors for it, but they won't, but they won't. Because the world loves darkness rather than light. That it's sad to say, it is, it's horrible that it's true, but it is true. And listen, if you're a young Christian, you need to understand this. You can't make people love you, but you can love them. Do you understand? You can't make people love you, but you can love them because the Holy Spirit lives within you. And let me say this. Even if they hate you, Jesus still loves them. Do you understand? There was a lot of quiet when I said that. Listen, the people who hate you, Jesus still loves them. Do you understand? He still wants to rescue them. Jesus would have rescued Judas Iscariot if he had just not walked out the door. Do you understand? When Judas Iscariot went to betray Jesus, when he literally walked out the door, it was done. But prior to that, Jesus washed his feet just like he washed everybody else's feet because he would have gladly rescued Judas from the evil in his heart if he would have let him. Do you understand? That's what we need to be able to understand. We need to realize this. The Spirit makes us fruitful. The Spirit makes us fruitful in joy and love but it doesn't make the world around us fruitful in joy and love until they receive the spirit of god number six the spirit empowers us to bear witness john uh, verse 26 and 27 let's just look at them uh 26 and 27 of this chapter 15 but when the comforter has come whom i will send unto you from the father even the spirit of truth which proceedeth from the father he shall testify of me and ye also shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning we're going to talk about this a great deal more next week so i'm not going to spend a lot of time on this today but listen look 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 uh we have them i don't know if we have any here Sometimes we have them on here. We have them on the way out. As you're walking out, you can grab some of them. They're basically invitations to the church, inviting people to come, thanking people for their service, that kind of a thing. They're, they're, they're tracks. But the reason I say this is, it says, we shall bear witness. Somehow, listen to me, this is important. Somehow, tracks have replaced bearing witness. Do you understand what I mean by that? Right? I give somebody a track, which is not the same thing, it's bearing witness. Do you understand? I, I, how many, how many tracks do you suppose waitresses and waiters receive in the Hampton Roads area? How many? Lots. Yeah. If they could sell them, they probably wouldn't need the tips. Now, let me say this. I've said this a hundred times. If you're going to go out, if you're, listen, if you're going to go out to, if you're going to go out to dinner after church, leave a tip. If you're going to leave a track, leave a good tip. If you're going to leave a track with our church's name on it, leave a great tip. Okay. Listen, it's an insult to the waiter or waitress for you to leave them a track as if that was the tip. That's not a tip. They can't eat that. Do you understand? They need the money. They're not getting paid enough. They're, they're, they're making their living on the tips that they're receiving. Tip them well. Treat them well. I, I don't have time to go into this. I wish I had known this better as a young man. I, you know, we're paying for service. You go to, out to a restaurant, you're paying for service, right? You're just paying for them to cook what you ask for and bring it to you. That's real, you know, just cook what I asked for and bring it to me, and I'll pay you for it. That's, that's what you're doing. But waiters can have a bad day. Do you understand? They can have a bad day. I, when I was a young person, we had, my mom and I were eating together, 
And, and we had a waitress, and she was just not good. She was, she was just doing, she just was doing a terrible job. And I was really upset about it. I was a young Christian. I was probably, just probably 25, 26 years old. And I was, I was not just upset about it. I was vocal to my mother, not to the waitress. I was vocal to my mother about how terrible the service was. And this is what my mother said. My mother, who raised me without a father, by the way, until I was nine years old, she said, Chuck, you have no idea what that woman's going through. Maybe she woke up sick or with two sick kids and had to come to work anyway. Maybe she got two phone calls while we've been here, and she can't leave. She can't go do what needs to be done. You don't know that. Maybe you could just be nice to her. Yeah? Maybe we could be. Maybe we could enter into what God would have to us. This, The Spirit empowers us to bear witness. When you're a jerk, can you imagine you're a jerk and then you leave a track? Do you know what that says about Jesus? It doesn't really say anything about Jesus. It says something about you. But they don't know that. They think it says something about Jesus. I'm telling you, I wanted very little to do with Christianity because of Christians before I was saved. Yes? How many of us would say amen to that, right? How many of us met the jerk Christian in our lives? How many of us have been the jerk Christian in our lives? Amen? God set us free from that. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses about how great. Listen, a witness doesn't have to make anything up. A witness just says what they've actually seen. All you got to do is testify to how great Jesus actually is in your life. Amen? I was this way, now I'm like this, and Jesus is making the difference. He's made all the difference. I only say he's making the difference because he'd be making a greater difference if I'd let him. That's what God is doing in our lives. Number seven, the Spirit reproves the world. (laughs) Now, this is a tough one. Now, by the way, this is one of those things. This goes with the other truth that the world hates us. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. And I'm going to show you the passage. It says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away. Remember I said that was going to come up. It's expedient. It's important for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And John was talking about this in Sunday school class this morning. Here's what happens. In the Old Testament, they go, the, the high priest goes once a year into the Holy of Holies. He takes in blood. For the people, yes? Then he comes out from the Holy of Holies, walks out to the edge of the tabernacle, lifts his hand, and pronounces a blessing on the nation of Israel. Amen? And it's a real blessing, by the way, a blessing from God, but it's a temporal blessing. But the last thing we see our Lord Jesus doing before he goes to the Father is to lift his hand to send forth the blessing that he's getting ready to send forth. And what is that? He's going into the Holy of Holies with his blood, and he's going to send forth the Holy Ghost. And that's the blessing of God. That's what's being pictured in your Old Testament. Every time you see the high priest from now on coming out and raising his hands in blessing, realizing that that's a picture of Jesus sending forth the Holy Ghost into our lives. That's what's going on, okay? But notice what it says. When I send him, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Here's our problem. The world doesn't want to repent, and we did. Yes? I hope you have. I hope you have truly repented and you're really born again. Well, when that happened in your life, everything changed and you can't stop talking about it. But the world doesn't want to repent. So every time they see you, the Holy Spirit reproves them of what he would do if they'd let him. And they don't like it. Okay? So it's important that you realize this. Listen, please understand this. As you walk with Jesus, the people that you run into who will trust Christ are going to be so glad to meet you. And the people who won't trust Christ are not going to be glad to meet you. And it's just important that you understand that. Number eight, and we'll be done. The Spirit guides you and glorifies Christ. Boy, this is really, you can write these down, nice little G's, right? The Spirit guides you 
and glorifies Christ. This is contrary to where the Holy Spirit is, is, is preeminent in many churches today. In many churches today where the gifts of the Spirit, if you will, are quote-unquote being actively used, what you'll find is the people are glorified as the Holy Ghost is doing whatever they say he's doing. It's not really the Holy Ghost, and he's not really... Because, listen, if you're getting the glory, it's not the Holy Ghost. Okay? If you're getting the glory, it's not the Holy Ghost. Who gets the glory? Let's look at it. How be it? Now, by the way, notice how it's over and over and over again. The entire passage that we've looked at, multiple chapters, Jesus talking about sending forth the Holy Ghost and the purpose that he sent forth. That's why we're looking at this. How be it? When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he, what? Will guide you into all truth. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? I can simply trust God if I want to know the truth. You want to know the truth? Trust God. Open the word of God. Let the spirit of God teach you. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? Now, again, we can edify one another. We can encourage one another. We can strengthen one another. We can preach and teach and be a real help to each other. But it's the Holy Spirit that's doing the real work that needs to be done. That's why we assemble together. We assemble together so the Holy Spirit can accomplish the work that he wants to accomplish in our lives. He will guide you into all truth for because he will not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Now, this is just like what Jesus did, right? When Jesus was confronted with the things he was preaching and teaching, this is what he said. I'm only preaching and teaching what my father told me to say, right? I preach what I see my father say. I do what I see my father do. That's what I'm doing. And he says this, the Holy Spirit's going to do the same thing. What he shall hear, what I shall tell him, that he shall speak to you. And I will show you Excuse me, and he will show you things to come. He shall what? Glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and he shall show it unto you. Amen. So here's the thing, and this is the this is the, and we'll be done. The guidance you need is available as the Holy Spirit guides you, and as the Holy Spirit guides you, it glorifies Christ. As you and I are submissive, as you and I submit to what it is that God wants to do in our lives. God is glorified in our lives. The Holy Spirit given to each and every one of us, conforming us to the image of Christ. All of the things that we just look, again, just picture them this way. Do you need guidance? Do you need comfort? Do you need love? Do you need joy? What do you need? Do you need truth? What do you need? The Holy Spirit provides all of them. Now listen, listen, look up here. We're almost done. What an amazing gift. Yes? What an, honestly, what an amazing gift. One gift that keeps giving. This is why Jesus said to the woman at the well, if you knew who it was that was talking to him, you'd ask him and he would give you what? Living water that would be springing up from inside you. Yes, this is the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within us, continually springing up everything you... Now listen, this sounds too good to be true. And because it sounds too good to be true, most Christians don't enter into it. But it's not too good to be true. Everything you need to be the person that God would have you to be today is available to you today by the Holy Spirit that lives within you. Walk in faith. Just believe God at his word. Father, thank you for giving us these few minutes together this morning. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us. I pray that you would use your word in our hearts and lives in such a way that we would really, truly walk not after our ugly flesh, but after the Spirit. Bless, Lord, bless everyone that's heard this message, Lord. All of us, may we receive what we need, and Lord, may it change our lives. We thank you, we praise you, in Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me if you would.